Motherhood Incorporated proudly presents Military Mom Talk Radio live on toginet.com. Co-hosted by Robin Boyd and Sandra Beck, the owner of Motherhood Incorporated. Military Mom Talk Radio is here with a powerful platform for women to discuss their ideas, issues, and concerns with respect to the military lifestyle. Military Mom Talk Radio encourages you to share your experiences of being a military wife and mother. This show is dedicated to educating your family about the many resources that are available in both the public and private sector. And we'll be sharing helpful information from women all over the world. We'll cover everything military from helping a family member cope with post-traumatic stress disorder to navigating government programs dealing with family issues to the struggles of deployment along with being a working mother both in and out of the home. This is Military Mom Talk Radio and here are your hosts, Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Military Mom Talk Radio on a gorgeous summer day. I hope it is as gorgeous where you are as as we are in New England. It's it's absolutely beautiful. And I have to say, as beautiful as it is, all winter long, I have no trouble with my Internet except today on the most beautiful, gorgeous summer day. <laughs> Our internet service up in the northern uh, area here, northeast, is uh, is down, and I'm not the only state to be down. So I'm hoping that if uh, some of you have missed this show live, that you're going to catch it on a podcast. Um, I'm grateful to be at the Girl Scouts of the Green and White Mountains to do this show. So hello, Girl Scouts, and thank you for for letting us run the show from here. Um, Sandra is away today, so I'm here on behalf of Sandra. She is with her family, so we're awfully happy about that. And with me today is Mr. Stephen Boyd, our roving reporter. Hello, Stephen. Hello, Robin. <laughs> I normally am down the hall from you, but today I'm a couple of towns away. <laughs> that's, that's quite all right. We're going to get this job done. That's right. That's right. The show must go on, and it is going to be a good show. We've got a wonderful guest today, um, a guest we have met before, but we're glad to uh, have him for uh, a little bit longer today. Uh, we have Richard Geschke, author of two books, actually. He co-authored with Robert Toto um, in our duffel bags and Shadows of Combat. Before we talk to him, Steve, there's a couple of things that came across um, our Facebook page that I just wanted to bring up. Um, one is uh, the Disney Armed Forces salute has been renewed by Disney Dispatch Tips. If you um, are shopping around for some Disney discounts, the 2014-15 um, arm of their website has been uh, approved by whoever grants them their, their funding. So if you go to militarydisneytips.com there's more information there. They uh, posted on our Facebook. We, I personally don't know much about them. So if you are in the um, shopping mode and want to check them out, please include them in your considerations. And um, also, if you're down in the Fort Hood area, uh, for those interested in stepping into a helping role by supporting other adult military survivors, becoming a TAPS, T-A-P-S, peer mentor might be for you. Now, they have a training that's going to be conducted on Sunday, July 27th, and at the conclusion of the Fort Hood Survivor Seminar. So if you're interested in learning more about this, um, and this might be just something that would be uh, perfect for you in your journey in life, um, 
please email peer, P-E-E-R, two E's, I'm trying to say. I think I got three in there. Peer Mentors at TAPS, T-A-P-S. And before we uh, chat a little more with Steve, I just wanted to acknowledge Korean War veteran and famed actor James Garner passed away this weekend. I'm sure you've all seen it um, in the news. He was 86. But in case you didn't read his bio, Mr. Garner served in the U.S. Army in Korea, serving, uh, earning two Purple Hearts. And um, it kind of said in this little bio that he was uh, awarded the Purple Heart in Korea for his first injury and for the second wound he received a Purple Heart because his eligibility requirements said as a result of friendly fire while actively engaging the enemy. (laughs) It's an interesting way of putting it. Although Garner received the medal in 1983, 32 years after his injury, Garner was a self-described scrounger for his company in Korea, a role he later played in The Great Escape and the Americanization of Emily. So we thank Mr. Garner for many, many years of, of uh, enjoyment and his years of service. Well, Steve, we've had many authors on the show, and today, as I said, we're going to welcome Dick Geschke with us to share his military biography. But other than writing, I wanted to talk about other ways of contributing stories of history to our next generation. And Steve, you were asked a number of years ago by our local high school to come in and talk to students. So I wanted to kind of talk about how that came about. Well, that came about not because the high school asked me, because my daughter asked me. (laughs) She was taking a course down at the local uh, senior high school on uh, history of the Vietnam War. And I said, that's fine, I'll, I'll come in. And the instructor of the, uh, the course uh, personally asked me after M told them that I was a Vietnam vet. And it, it had a number of uh, veterans in before from various disciplines. And uh, I went in and brought some photographs with me and just briefly uh, expounded on my experience in Vietnam with the unit that I was with. Um, Before I went in, I looked at their textbook that they had for uh, general history in in the high school, and their entire um, basis of the Vietnam War was, uh, all that was in the textbook was the anti-war demonstrations in this country and and everything against the war. So this particular instructor decided that uh, he needed a broader view. Um, So I went in and... uh, just uh, answered their questions. Again, I told them a little bit about it. And then, and then you got the usual kid questions uh, about uh, did you kill anybody and that sort of thing. And mm-hmm. those are the type of questions you try to avoid and say the, the way I handled it was, well, I fired my rifle and sometimes there were dead bodies there. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting that kids need to ask those questions because they they might not be able to talk to their own dad or grandpa about what they did. And I really feel that having other people's opinions, other people's viewpoints, and other people's um, experiences are so valuable for them to then make their own choices in their lives. Because 
you always hear the recruiter from any branch of the service going to the high school and giving the rah-rah speech and, and doing the, the this is great and just for you kind of thing, which it may be. But I think they also need to see all sides of what they're choosing to go into or maybe not choosing what to go into. Yeah, the part of the problem that the military faces, well, the, the Army and the Marine Corps especially, um, only one in every ten people in the Army are actually in combat. The rest are combat support, mm-hmm. um, logistics, uh, intelligence, everything else. So the guy with the rifle on the ground is a, a very small minority, and there are so many other fields, especially today, we have uh, uh, internet and uh, cyber warfare and support of various types of vehicles that when I was in, in, in prior to the, my war in the Second World War and Korea, you know, our main vehicles, we had trucks and we had Jeeps. You know, yeah. What else do you need? <laughs> <laughs> but I think their questions must have been, uh, yes, you have the standard questions, but were you taken aback by any of the questions that they asked you? Not really. I'd had enough uh, questions from my own family and uh, friends, young, younger friends that hadn't mm-hmm. been there. Uh, you know, what did you do in the war, Daddy? Uh, I remember, well, even when we first met, you practically knew nothing about uh, what your father did during the Second World War, for example. You're right. You're and, right. Uh, he and, he and I, Veterans talk but we don't tell anybody else, even family. Mm-hmm. Um, my son-in-law, for example, we talk about the same. We were in some of the same countries and so on, doing some of the same jobs. He in the Marines, I in the Army. But uh, it's we know what we did. We know what our MOSs were, and we left it at that. Mm-hmm. And if there were any unique experiences, we'd talk about it just amongst ourselves. Mm-hmm. And even now, I'm telling you things that you never knew about your father or what he did or uh, things that he had told me. That's very true. And there again, this is one of the reasons why whether you are writing a, a book, whether you are talking in front of students, um, the Military Writers Society of America, which I want to give their website at mwsadispatches.com, um, they have wonderful opportunities for people to tell stories, as does the Veteran History Project through the Library of Congress. So if you go to loc.gov, you definitely can do the audio... the audio biographies or, or the the testimonies that th- that are through there, hearing someone's voice is is amazing. And on the other side of the break, we're going to hear Dick Geshke's voice. Stephen, I'm so glad that you did that with the school. We've got 90 seconds just before the break coming up, um, but I'm so glad you did that for the kids because yeah, they it was it was had... enjoyable, and they enjoyed having me down. And you know, I'd been down a, a few times, and and. Um, and then he got some new people that would come in, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you get dropped off the rolls when you go down there, but I had told what I could, and getting new blood in there for a different point of view from other services and so on, Absolutely. and support that they gave in, in a combat zone is also helpful for the kids who, I want to serve my country, I want to go in, but 
I don't want to kill anybody and I don't want to be in in combat. So there's a million other things to do. You don't have to do that. That's right. And and that's the whole thing. You got to listen to everybody. Yes, listen to the recruiter. Yes, listen to other veterans. Um and yes, you know, sit down and talk to the family and you might not get the whole story, but hopefully it'll um you'll get a little bit and hopefully you can talk your family into doing some kind of a, a, a authoring pen uh of a of a book too. Uh, thanks, Steve, for doing that. I appreciate it. Uh, coming up after the break, we have Richard Geschke, author of In Our Duffel Bags and Shadows of Combat. Both wonderful reads for the summer if you haven't read them. Be back in a moment. Are you a military mom looking for help in dealing with the system? Keeping the home fires burning? Well, that's what we're here for. It's Military Mom Talk Radio with Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. And we'll be right back after these. This is Toginet, cutting-edge radio. Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's baby and toddler instructions with Blythe Lippman on toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Lippman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With baby and toddler instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more, it's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lippman on toginet.com. This is Buzz Local Radio. We had the three topics here, and we just added a fourth because we started talking about a hot dog. <laughs> yes. Yep, in a band. He's in a band. We both had guitars, so I went over to his house Christmas Day that so day. We had to start a band. And uh, I think we wrote four or five that songs that afternoon. And Cannibalistic Fish was one of them. Cannibalistic Fish. I couldn't do the dreads. My mom would not let me wear my pants backwards to school either. That was wiggity, 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 wiggity. <laughs> Buzz Local Radio. Available for free. Free download on toginet.com. That's T-O-G-I-N-E-T.com. We'll put a boot in your ass. It's the American way. Uncle Sam, put your name at the top of his list and a statue of liberty started shaking. Welcome back to Military Mom Talk Radio on toginet.com. Covering topics to help on the home front with help from those who know how the system works and how to work the system. It's more fun than a sale at the BX. Now let's get back to it. It's Military Mom Talk Radio. Here again are your hosts, Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. Welcome back, everyone. This is Robin Boyd with you today for Sandra Beck on Military Mom Talk Radio. Uh, Today we have author Richard 
Gashke with us. Um, Richard is a graduate of Kent State University with a degree in Comprehensive Social Studies and an ROTC commission as second lieutenant in the infantry. Robert Toto graduated Northeastern University and was commissioned a second lieutenant in the infantry. They reported for active duty after graduation and met at the Infantry School, Fort Benning, Georgia, in November 1969. In our duffel bags and later in Shadows of Combat are stories from their time in the U.S. Army, first in Germany and then in Vietnam, and finally back to, quote-unquote, the world, and released from active duty in 1972. We are so glad to have Dick Geschke with us today. Welcome, Dick. Hey, good to be back. I'm thrilled that you're back, and I want you to meet Steve Boyd, <laughs> fellow oh, veteran. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm going to kind of go backwards and then forward, Dick. The first, uh, I you served from 1969 to 1972, and in 1972, most new veterans were not celebrated as they were in World War II or as they are today. Um, did you try to forget and bury all of the memories of your time in service, or did you share some of those stories with you, with others in the years after? Steve was saying how most dads don't talk to their kids. So did well, you bury them? Out. Mm. I, I blanked everything out. Uh, basically, I wanted to meld back into society. Mm-hmm. Uh, I met my wife approximately six months after... Uh, you know, I got uh, released from active duty, but I just wanted to become "quote unquote" normal, and mm-hmm. we weren't considered normal, were we, Steve? <laughs> no, not at not at all. In fact, uh, even today, my my family still talks. You were a little weird when you came home, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> well, what what year did you come uh, back, Steve? I I came back in 1970. I was there 69 and 70. And what was your MOS? 11 Bravo, 4 Sierra. Now, what's the 4 Sierra? I know what 11 Bravo is. You were infantry. Infantry, force? special forces. Ah, there you go. Now, I wasn't that, uh, I was just a straight leg. Yeah, uh, yeah. So you were airborne. You must have gone through, uh, did you jump over in uh, Fort Benning? Yes. Aha. Uh-huh. <laughs> what year was that? Uh, 67. <laughs> Well, I was still in I was still in college, so yeah, uh, I got I got out in '69. But I, I became an infantry officer. I went to Fort Benning and uh, went to IOBC. Which uh, were you uh, an EM or were you uh, an officer? No, I was enlisted. Ah, uh, okay. So yeah, yeah. That I try to forget everything, Robin, uh, and I try to meld back into society to answer your question. And then, and the reason why I wanted to kind of ask that question, because all of these memories had to sort of get resurfaced when it was your son, Scott, who asked you to first write this book, or at least write something down. It was quite comical in a way, because um, my son was a scholarship baseball player. He was very good. But one thing he did, besides collect baseball cards and have baseball paraphernalia, I found my lieutenant's bars on his desk. I found my dog tags on his desk. And I found my bronze medal on his desk also. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, these things started disappearing. I had forgotten. I neglected them, you know. So 
Yeah, it was my son. And similarly, Steve, your son is asking you the same thing, isn't he? Oh, yeah. In fact, it was rather recently he said to me, I, I told him a story about something that uh, I did, and he goes, Dad, he says, are you going to write this down, or is this something I have to remember on my own? <laughs> and I think writing it down is so important um, in that, and you actually wrote something called Ode to Scott, didn't you? Uh, yeah, I, I did it at the end of the book. Um, he's the one that kind of prodded me into it, and he just kind of said, you know, do something important. Right, you know, right. So I, I, I thought about it, and I, I didn't argue with him at all. Mm-hmm. I, I just decided to go ahead and do it. Steve, you should do it too. Yeah. We've <laughs> That's been what nagging been saying to me for forty-four years. Write a book. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? I'll tell you what. It's amazing how much you remember, and all of a sudden, I started remembering all this stuff, and uh, I was amazed. I really was amazed. I, you know, as I said to Bob, I said, "Did we? How did we do this?" Yes, and Bob yes. Said, we were young and stupid, you know. So yeah. Basically, yeah. Well, we didn't know. We didn't. When you're young, you don't know any better. That's why the army likes to get you when when you're young because you can be molded. Yeah, they tried to mold me. I I was, <laughs> but I was I, I was one of those officers that was kind of rebellious anyway. If you read in the book, I was always in trouble. So uh, <laughs> trouble is a relative term in the military. <laughs> That's true. But by the time I got to Vietnam. Uh, I wasn't so much in trouble because all the whack jobs had congregated in Vietnam, you know. Yes, yeah. So, and you know what I mean. Oh, yes, yes. One of the things that uh, I remember specifically was uh, when I first got over there how, um, you know, we, I, I had spent 68 in Korea on the DMZ and thought I knew quite a bit. And you get over to uh, Vietnam and you're going, well, not having been in, in full-fledged combat in a jungle situation, it's completely different. Um, as you know, going to the, at least you had the indoctrination of the jungle school down in Panama. Right. Yeah, I did. I mean, uh, that poem that I wrote, there's a classroom in the jungle. Trust me, that, it, it was good. It was good. I was, oh, yes. I was really prepared. Because when I got off the plane, unlike a lot of other people that, oh, my God, it's hot and everything like that, I just, you know, it didn't bother me at all. (laughs) Right. And that's the other thing when we're younger. The humidity will kill us now, but when you're 18, 19, (laughs) 20 years old, eh, no big deal. Dick, let me ask you, when you started to write uh, and and what would soon be the chapter going my way in your book, when you started to write, did this become cathartic or did this actually – bring some tough things to the surface that maybe was a little tougher than you thought? I, as I went through it, I found myself being amazed by it because all of a sudden the stories kept popping up and Toto, he would egg me on anyway, <laughs> which he usually does. Uh, and all of a sudden, I, you know, he would remind me of stories and I would just say, oh my gosh, you know, we spent a lot of time in Germany too, so... I was the one out in the field, and Bob was the one with the prestigious Berlin Brigade, and he was staff job and everything like that. <laughs> so when we went to Vietnam, you know, it was a real shock to him that he was in a combat unit, you know. 
So, but uh, to answer your question, I, I was just amazed when I went through it. I just, uh, I just shook my head. <laughs> I think sometimes you find that too, Steve. You'll, I, I'll notice you going through some of the pictures that you have, and sometimes there's a little spark. I think that just reminds you of something. Oh yeah, there's there's always things that I I see some old pictures, some especially some of the old slides that we we'll get that we don't go through very often. I'll sit there and yeah. I'll remember exactly the situation that that was taken in. Mm-hmm. Uh, the pictures that all the pictures that we have around here, I didn't take because I'm in them. So right. I had other guys on the team carrying cameras with them all the time and snapping away. Um, Dick, when did you? pull Bob Toto into your project because here Scott is asking you to write things down uh, as to what you did um, in your military uh, career. When, when did Bob get into the picture? After two um, two chapters that I wrote. I, <laughs> I, I was going to say two paragraphs? <laughs> oh, no. I, 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 I did the, what, that 41 or 42 rockets? Yep. And I forgot, I forgot the other chapter. But anyway, I, I did two chapters, and all of a sudden I sent them to Bob. And Bob said to me, uh, oh, that's great. And, I, and it, it just dawned on me. And I said, you know what? Do you want to write in this? And then that's where I came up with the, the things about the total, the total minutes and uh, things like that, you know. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was, you know. I got him in, and I'm glad I did. Let's put it that way. Well, yeah, well it's nice you had a friend that uh, you were that close to. I've got a few friends around, but uh, we're distant, and we very seldom do we talk. And I just said to Robin the other day, there's a friend of mine that lives down, and one of my uh, teammates was lives down in New York, and I said, I've got to go down there and see him one of these days. Absolutely. Uh, have you talked to him at all? Uh, at all? Not, not in probably 20 years. Really? Well, see, Bob was the best man at my wedding, and we kept in contact all this time. Uh, I lived in Ohio until 1985 uh, in Cleveland, and then I came east. And Bob, of course, he always lived on, you know, in Massachusetts. I lived on Long Island at the time, so I kept in contact with him, you know. Uh, Not as often as I do right now, but, you know, uh, we kept in contact. So it it was good. It's, um, I think what's nice is that you've um, been able to share things sort of on a different per, different perspective. You've had the time together when you were in the service, and now the time reflecting um, does probably help, and it is somewhat cathartic, I'm sure, because it's given you, and, and one of the poems that you wrote was Mission Accomplished, and I think sometimes when there are a lot of things that are hanging or a lot of things that are are um, left unsaid or undone or incomplete, that doesn't give you that sense of accomplishment. And hopefully at the uh, – there's one poem that I do want you to read at the end of the show, Dick, but um, there's another one I'm talking about, this mission accomplished, that was really significant, and I think that gives you that sense of – being complete. Um, we've got to go to a break. We're talking today with Richard Geschke. He is the author, co-authored with uh, Robert Toto in our duffel bags and Shadows of Combat. And I am um, co-hosted by Stephen Boyd, also Army veteran, and we're glad to have you both with us. Uh, stay tuned. We're going to be right back on Military Mom Talk Radio. 
Are you a military mom looking for help in dealing with the system? Keeping the home fires burning? Well, that's what we're here for. It's Military Mom Talk Radio with Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. And we'll be right back after these. Have you heard? The pages of American Patchwork and Quilting Magazine come to life on our new weekly online radio show, American Patchwork and Quilting. Join Pat Sloan, our blogging and quilt designer host, as she talks about the latest trends, ideas, and inspirations. Her guests include quilt pattern designers, authors, quilt shop owners, and our editors. All quilters, just like you. Call in with your questions. Get quilting tips from industry experts. Learn about free patterns. Hear behind-the-scenes stories from our magazines, American Patchwork and Quilting, Quilt Sampler, and Quilts and More. Get the scoop on free stuff and find out more about the best independent quilt shops in North America. To listen to a live show, tune in Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Just log on to allpeoplequilt.com slash radio. To hear past shows, go to iTunes and search for American Patchwork and Quilting Radio. We hope you'll join us because we know that quilting changes everything. Join us every Monday at 10 a.m. Central for the Johnny Rowland News, Guns, and Motorsports radio show with commentary about current events, guns, shooting, and firearms issues, automotive and motorsports features, and special music presentations. Johnny is recognized as an international firearms authority and ballistic engineer, as well as an accomplished and widely recognized automotive designer and longtime TV and radio host. This program draws on Johnny's experience in shooting, motorsports, and as a professional entertainer and musician. Don't miss Johnny Roland News, Guns, and Motorsports. Infotainment at its best. Trust us on this one. It's a fun show. Every Monday morning at 10 a.m. Central, right here on the Toginet Radio Network. There ain't no doubt I love this land. God bless the USA. Welcome back to Military Mom Talk Radio on Toginet.com. Covering topics to help on the home front with help from those who know how the system works and how to work the system. It's more fun than a sale at the BX. Now let's get back to it. It's Military Mom Talk Radio. Here again are your hosts, Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. Welcome back, everyone. We're talking today with Richard Geschke, author of In Our Duffel Bags and Shadows of Combat. And we have Stephen Boyd sitting in for Sandra Beck. She's away today, and we're wishing her well. If you've missed any of this show or any of our other shows, you sure do want to pop over to iTunes. All of our shows are there. There are almost 200 full, free full-hour shows that you're welcome to uh, download and listen to, especially if you're heading out to the lake, if you're heading to the beach, you want to fill your uh, MP3 player with some great content, um, not only ours, but you'll find a lot of our shows at Toganet are tremendous. So not only at iTunes, but militarymomtalkradio.com and our show page right here at Toganet.com. 
Um, Dick, I wanted to uh, talk a little bit about your time in Germany. Um, having grown up in a very free America, did you find the restrictions and checkpoints hard to get accustomed to, or were there any? Well, when I was in West Germany, it was just like being in the United States, really. The only thing that was different it was there was a lot of American troops, especially in Bavaria. However, when you went to Berlin, uh, it became, uh, you were in, in an outpost city. And, uh, yeah, that was different. And going through the checkpoints, you saw communism at its best. So you can see by a lot of the poems that were written there uh, that we noted that uh, duly as we went, uh, you know, we wrote, wrote those poems and in prose and in our duffel bags. Mm. I know uh, one of them was Checkpoint Charlie in Berlin, and um, it, it must have been, did, you were young. I mean, had you known of these things as a kid, that what went on in World War II, and um, did you have a lot of that kind of preconceived notion that that's what it would be like? I can only imagine it must have been hard. Well, I, I, I graduated in comprehensive social studies. I've taken a lot of history courses. Sure. I knew about check. I knew about Checkpoint Charlie. Uh, so when I got there, and Bob had already advised me what to do and everything, because we had to be in uniform when we went over to the eastern side, because technically mm-hmm. we were still the allies of uh, the USSR. So yeah, I did know the history of everything, uh, but it was. I'll tell you, it was an honor to be there and to see it and to talk about it. And people don't understand what it was like, really. So, uh, you know, this generation is growing up have no, uh, they don't understand it. Yeah, once the wall came down, you were surrounded over in Berlin. So you were a captive audience, so to speak. Yes, you were, Steve. <laughs> yes, you were. Have you been back since? No, uh, next year I'm going to be retiring next year. Good for uh, you. I'm still I'm still a working stiff, but um, <laughs> I'm um, I'm going to be going uh, with my wife, and we're going to be taking uh, a Viking River cruise uh, from Amsterdam all the way down to Budapest. So uh, that's going right to the heart of Germany. So yes, yes we will go back. That sounds, that sounds like an exciting trip. I've seen the advertisements for that on TV. and I'm, If I were to tour Europe, that would be the way I'd like to do it. That's what I like to do. My uh, brother-in-law and sister-in-law have done it twice, and uh, they really like it. So that's what I want to do, uh, and that's what we're going to do. I know a lot of people who have either been um, back to where they were uh, in whether it be Normandy or whether it be Iwo Jima. Steve, when, when our son-in-law was at Iwo Jima, he really was awestruck, wasn't he, when he oh, was yes, on yeah. the that was, uh, that's for, for a Marine, that's sacred ground. Mm-hmm. Yes, it would be. Absolutely. <laughs> and he brought us, he gave Steve some of the sands of Iwo Jima. He brought back um, a very, a very, very precious collection of sand. <laughs> and I don't was know if I'm supposed to say that, that out loud. Black but... sand? Yes, that was black volcanic sand. And he took yeah. the uh, lid off the container and he said, smell this. And I smelled it and you could smell the sulfur, which is what the Marines, when they landed there, that's the one thing they noticed when they when they hit the beach. Absolutely. Now, you were in um, Germany for 18 months, was it? Yes, it was. 18, 
Nice months, really. I mean, we spent a lot of time in the field. Not like Bob. Bob didn't spend any time in the field. I spent the time in the field for both of us, you know. That's quite magnanimous of me, but Bob paid for it later. Yeah, yeah. And did you go to uh, Panama before you went to Vietnam? Yes, I went to Panama, a jungle warfare school in wonderful Panama. And that probably, uh, that was, that was, that was something else, let's put it that way. That really put us to the test. The soft life of living in Germany, and then we went there, you know, I probably dropped, in two weeks I dropped about 12 pounds when I went yeah. there. Yeah. Then when I went to Vietnam, I dropped all the way down to 148. So when I came back, they told me not to go out and buy any clothes, you know, so. <laughs> and they were right, but I went down to 148. That's uh, I was just a skinny rail. You were pretty thin, too, Steve. Oh, yes. I weighed 128 when I came back, but I was serving with the uh, the mountain people, the mountain yards over in Vietnam, and we ate uh, the same rations they did, which consisted of, when we were in the field, two bags of rice and whatever we could get off the land. So you never got any sea rats there, Steve? Oh, no. Sea rats were, because uh, we were on separate rations. So occasionally we could get, uh, we'd barter for some uh, uh, lerps, um, but sea rations now. You know, I never saw any lerps when I was over there. All of the, they were pretty good. Sea rations. Are they? Yeah, they're, uh, they're, they're quite good. It's, it's a freeze-dried meal um, that you just dump boiling water into a, a plastic pouch. And uh, we had spaghetti and meatballs. Uh, really? Uh, beef stew and things like that. Yeah, it was really quite good. Hmm. No, never had any lerps. They had sea rats. Know all about sea rats. Yeah. And we probably, when I was in Fubai, we had probably one of the best mess sergeants uh, I've ever seen. <laughs> this guy was magical. In Korea, we had a mess sergeant that was a former uh, tank mechanic. <laughs> there you <laughs> go. tasted it. <laughs> well, you tasted the grease, right? Yeah. <laughs> Everything had a little diesel fuel in it for, for a condiment, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> for a little flavoring. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Fubai was a little rainy, I hear, from what you've read. Well, from Fubai was all right, but Fubai rained a lot. Uh, Steve, I was, uh, when I got in country, I was there in October. When I did my mission, and you talk about mission accomplished, that, that was building a fortification around the ASP, we were uh, almost almost waist high in uh, swamp. Oh, and yeah. We were building this we're building this fortification. It was raining, and yep. people don't understand rain until you've seen a monsoon, until you can't <laughs> see a foot in front of you. And I yeah, never and went through so many days and nights and days and days and days. <laughs> That's right. And I'll tell you, I went through so many jungle boots that rotted out. You know, it was unbelievable how many I went. Oh through. yeah, yeah. We uh, I worked primarily in the highlands. Uh, from uh, I-Corps all the way down to three-Corps, so I was in the mountains most of the time. Yeah, well, we heard, when we were in Fubai, we were right adjacent to the Ashaw Valley, 
Right. And, uh, there, there would be a lot of uh, either Cobra action or even B-52 bombers going through there. Oh, sure. Uh, yeah, that was always the hot, one of the hot spots, the uh, entryway. My last operation was up in I-Corps uh, uh, working in an area called the Arizona Territory that the Marines had named because that was a infiltration, high infiltration point for the, uh, the first uh, NVA coming, coming south. Was that north of Way? Yes. Okay. Yeah, way okay. up in the corner. Yep. Yep. Near Laos. Are they, yes. Uh, yeah, it was Laos. Yeah, they're Laos. Yeah. Yeah, yeah very yep. busy up there. Absolutely. There are a lot of air traffic coming through. I just said that's what I remember. And if you take a look at my books, I'll tell you about that air traffic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When, the, when you're there, it, now obviously. You two were both in completely separate areas, but were you um, at given sort of indications of what's going on in another part of the country, or are you really only given your your duties and that's it? Well, we, we, we concentrated, of course, on our duties and our mission. That's, that mm-hmm. was primary. However, there was AFVN, as Steve remembers, and they would report the war, and I can remember this them saying, you know, I can remember them saying, from the Mekong Delta to the DMZ, this is AFVN. You know, right. they would say, good morning, Vietnam, you know, yeah, just like the yeah. movie. Yeah. It's kind of a naive question that I'm asking, but I guess from a civilian point of view, we're just not sure how much you would have known, let's say, about what, special forces was doing or what the marines might have been doing you know i guess it's just um assumed that you were over there and uh, that you probably did not know what a lot of other things were happening or did you well they, they reported the war that's for sure you know if there was any major actions going on they would report that they wouldn't report that the name got rocketed because the name gets rocketed yeah. every night Right, Steve? Amen. <laughs> <So>, Rocket City. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's that that goes without saying. They're not going to report right. that, you know, five guys yeah. got killed uh, uh, on right. a booby trap. They call them IEDs now. But uh, I think the, the Vietnamese were very, you know, there was a lot of people that were killed over there. Weren't killed by direct fire. They, they were either killed by indirect fire or booby traps. Oh, yeah. Uh, direct, yeah. Th- direct fire was only in major engagements like uh, the Battle of Yadrang Valley, you know, yeah. uh, things like that. Uh, the Vietnamese, the NVA or uh, the Viet Cong would not engage you unless they knew they had superior numbers, period. Yeah. Well, and I guess I wasn't thinking of on-air stuff. I guess I was thinking of <laughs> communication between, you know, from unit to unit or whatnot. Um, we've got to take a break, and I'm sorry, because this conversation is just is just awesome. We are here today with Stephen Boyd, uh, my co-host, as well as Dick Geschke, author of In Our Duffel Bags and Shadows of Combat. We're going to find out where you can get those books um, if you haven't picked them up after the other side of the break. And we'll, um, I believe there are both an e-book. If not, we'll make sure that you know how to get them in e-books as well. Back in a moment on Military Mom Talk Radio.
Are you a military mom looking for help in dealing with the system? Keeping the home fires burning? Well, that's what we're here for. It's Military Mom Talk Radio with Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. And we'll be right back after these. Join us for Healing with the Marika Method. This is an amazingly informative show to help heal people as well as their horses, dogs, and cats. This show inspires and empowers people to take charge of their own health and their animals' health using the power of diet, nutrition, natural medicines, and lifestyle to heal a variety of health problems. Learn how food impacts all physical and emotional health conditions and how diet and natural medicines are used to heal the body, mind, and spirit. Marika is a health and nutrition specialist, homeopathic practitioner, a gifted medical intuitive and healer, and an author and educator with over two decades of experience in clinical practice for people and their pets. Join our host, Marika Vandewater, every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time right here on the Rockstar Radio Network. This is God in Country. The Collision of Faith and Politics, hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical Rev. Dr. Sean is a proud military veteran, former law enforcement officer, and founder of the internationally regarded Executive Protection Team. Dr. Sean holds a bachelor's degree in biblical counseling and master's and doctorate degrees in theology and is currently pursuing a doctorate in ministry with a Hebrew worldview focus. Through his counseling, elite life coaching, and national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This series is biblically and politically engaged with the pedal to the metal. Join host and author of the acclaimed yet controversial book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Every Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here on this radio network. Welcome back to Military Mom Talk Radio on toginet.com. Covering topics to help on the home front with help from those who know how the system works and how to work the system. It's more fun than a sale at the BX. Now let's get back to it. It's Military Mom Talk Radio. Here again are your hosts, Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. Welcome back, everyone. This is Robin Boyd with you today, along with Stephen Boyd. And we are so fortunate to be chatting with Dick Geschke today, author of in our duffel bags and shadows of combat, um, Dick. I wanted to ask you. You you finished duff, in our duffel bags and was able to publish it. When at what point did you and Bob realize that shadows of combat was imminent? That there was more to tell, or the say, or similar stories, but in a different format. Bob was the one who's the poet, not me. But I somehow got uh, involved and I started writing some of the poetry and one thing led to another and again I I precipitated it again. I said let's do this in poetry form with a little prose in there explaining everything and mm-hmm. on we went. That's what we did. Mm-hmm. And we did it fairly fast because all the research and everything was done. We had done sure. that. It took us two years to do the first book. So mm-hmm. uh, 
it was one of those things that I got the writer's edge, you know, and I just, we went ahead and did it. Great. Yeah, it's great did... that you had uh, your friend that uh, he would, uh, would uh, Bob was with you so that you could uh, remember the things together. Um, when I get hooked up with veterans and we'll talk about things, that's that's one of the things that triggers your memories. Yeah, it does. And, you know, he, he's the one that, though we have separate memories of Vietnam. Now, if you notice in the book, Bob does not talk about what happened to him over in um, Cameron Bay. Uh, that's why he's got uh, PTSD. So he's yeah. got a recurring nightmare every night. He goes to bed with it. Okay? Yeah. So I don't have that. Uh, he has that. Uh, he's seen the dead bodies. Uh, I was the only thing I did was I got shot at all the time. I never had a chance to shoot back. Uh, <laughs> those guys always were shooting at me, whether it be on the High Van Pass, whether it be in Da Nang, whether it be uh, you know anywhere. And uh, Bob actively got engaged uh, in firefights there, so uh, he doesn't talk about it. While we have time, Dick, and I want to make sure that we make time for this, I've asked you to read one poem uh, entitled Tattoo. It is so poignant, and uh, the last time you visited us, I read a snippet of it. Um, I would really love for you to read that for us now. Okay, I got my Kindle version of it right right in front of me. Okay. Um, Tattoo. No one cared. We were home, but no one cared. They were much too concerned with themselves. We didn't say anything. We kept under the radar. Hardly anyone knew we were combat veterans. Only our families knew. Go on with life. Forget it. Forget about it. Deep down in my heart, I had my own type of protest. Why this war? Did we need to be there? It took me a long time to figure it out. They were wrong, the best and the brightest. They who had never served put us into harm's way. We were but mere pawns playing out the actions of their warped desires. Their hubris, our blood, our desperation and concerns meant nothing to them. Mere pawns in geopolitics. They knew better. And the rest of the country who didn't go there bore little concern to our entire plight. Erasmus had a saying for this hubris, Dulce bellum inexpertise. War is delightful to those who have no experience of it. There were millions of us who went there. Millions, yes, but coming home, it was only one man facing the indifference of people back home. Each of us facing it alone. Total isolation. But yet no one cared. Only our families cared. Only our fellow veterans knew and cared. Our plights were sealed. No welcome home. No thanks for our service. Just get on with life. And he saw us as warmongers and baby killers. We were forgotten, and in many cases, demeaned for us serving our country. Southeast Asia was indeed a cauldron, which invited polemic mistakes, and we as soldiers suffered the consequences. How can a country which was so astute and to, as to win the Cold War be so clueless in their politics concerning a civil war in Vietnam? Most of them never served, but had no problem sending millions to serve in a long and senseless war, a war without a clear mission and lacking a good pur- purpose. In the end, they were wrong, and the consequences are still with us. We as veterans have to bear the load still, 
See that bee in the ground in the mall's capital? It tells a solemn story, and it brings tears to my eyes. Maybe, just maybe, they will start to care, start to understand what we did. Maybe, just maybe, we will be welcomed home in a different light of true concern and thank for that service so long ago. Richard C. Geschke, Bristol, Connecticut, November 2010. That must have taken um, a lot to write that, Dick. Uh, when I did it, I'll be very honest with you. Um, I had a scotch in my hand. <laughs> uh, it was about 11, 10 after 11 at night. Uh-huh. That poem was done at 1130. And it's just so much. It just says so much of what all of you have carried for so many years. Well, it finally came out because uh, it was within me, and I'm sure it was in Bob, and I'm sure it's in Steve, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm sure it's in a lot of the combat veterans that went over there and served. Uh, uh, we weren't welcome at home. We were just cast aside. Um, that has since changed. I understand that. Take a look at all the memoirs that are being written now. Uh, I've noticed that. Uh, and uh, so uh, our generation is is starting to talk about it. However, one thing must be observed, and I read this someplace, there were over three and a half million uh, veterans of the Vietnam War. Do you realize there are only 800,000 of us left? Right. That's yeah. a scary statistic. A lot of that has to do with uh, Agent Orange, too. I don't know if you go to the VA, but I'm on the Agent Orange registry, and there's about two pages of uh, diseases and, and disabilities that are related to Agent Orange, for example. Yeah, um, I register with the VA. But, uh, I, you know, they even say, like, Bob has diabetes, and uh, he's got all kinds of problems and everything like that. His was his area was definitely heav- heavily uh, exfoliated. Uh, my areas that I was in, uh, not as much, especially in Fubai. It was so wet and everything when I was there. Uh, you know, everything was growing real rampantly at that time. Well, even the defoliated areas that were hit with Agent Orange, uh, it, it came back fairly quickly. Uh, they'd have to hit it numerous times when, when we were there. So even though we didn't think we were hit with it directly, we were hit with it. Right. Right. Well, and you I, know, I do have some issues myself, but I, I you know, I, I, don't, I think I've been lucky. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I, I have definitely been lucky. Um, you know, I'm normal. i got a great family that understands, and uh, I'm, we're healthy. <laughs> mm-hmm. You got it. That's what's important. We can't change what went on back in 1970, 71, 72, but what we can at least do is help our this next generation have a better appreciation and I guess a more clarity of of what and why and I'm I'm very grateful that you Dick and you Steve are willing to talk to the next generation uh, or two generations almost now. Um, so that at least there is uh, some uh, an understanding, and therefore a little relief of the negativity that that your your mission was accomplished. That you really did.
did serve uh, for a purpose, and you are a true testament of the fact that we still remain in a free country. Dick, where can we, I want to make sure we've got three minutes before the close. Where can we um, find these books? And you said that um, one is an audio book. Yes, Shadows of Combat is an audio book. And uh, I think it's very well done, by the way. So I'm kind of, and it's, it's a great, great way of, uh, of, uh, you know, listening to it, and uh, you could even get an ebook like an Amazon.com and follow the poetry in the ebook from the audiobook because it, uh, Amazon controls both of them. I would strongly suggest all my books uh, to buy in through Amazon. Uh, I think they're the cheapest there, so I, I would do it that way. Uh, I do know uh, there's. There's other places that I see it's all over, you know, so, uh, but uh, Amazon's probably the best way of doing it. And you recently uh, were the guest speaker at the Army Air Force Roundtable of Connecticut. Do you uh, do speaking engagements often, Dick? Yes, I do. Uh, I, I I really like the way they did that in Connecticut because they had a professional um, uh, TV uh, camera crew there when they did it. So I really enjoyed that because these guys are all veterans from whatever war, World War II, Korea, and there were some in Vietnam. I think you did see that. Yes. And um, it was really, you know, I really enjoyed it, and the, the questions were very intelligent. I really uh, I really like doing it. But I also am an educator, and I would like to see other people, especially the younger generation, understand what we did. So that's, Absolutely. Very important. And if one were to hire you as a guest speaker, where would they connect with you? Uh, well, they Geshki Richard at yahoo.com. Perfect. And we better spell Geshki is G E S C H C H K E. Right. That's everybody thinks it's Polish, but it's actually German. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, well, thank you so much. Uh, we've just got to wrap up the show, and it, it's been extremely fascinating to talk to you and and hear of your story, but also hear of a period of history that was so important. Steve, thanks so much for hanging out with me. It's been wonderful having you with me. You're welcome. Good <laughs> talking with you, Steve. Good talking with you, Thanks to both of you. Do tune in next week. We've got another great show lined up for you right here on Military Mom Talk Radio. Take care, everyone. 